This is Essential. 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 This is Essential Audio. Welcome to the Money Pot. I'm Rachel Morrissey, producer here at Money 2020, and I'm here with Mickey Tisfaya, Money 2020's financial journalist. Mickey is over in London. Mickey, I hear that the weather is a bit extra over there. Hey, Rach. Uh, yeah, the weather's been pretty crazy for the uh, last few days in the UK. Um, as you probably heard, we've been breaking records uh, right, left and centre. We, we hit over 40 degrees Celsius, which is an all-time record high. And it's not just us, it's been ferocious across the rest of Europe, with countries like Holland also recording uh, record highs. And all of this has led to a lot of damage. I mean, I hear that the runways in London have had serious issues and there's a record number of fires there as well. Yeah, um, and that's the real issue. It goes you know, far beyond it being hot. When it's hot here, there are, there are just energy surges for fans. We don't have any kind of AC infrastructure. So everyone's f- trying to find creative ways to cool off. I spent most of my days uh, in the freezer section at my local supermarket, as you can imagine. Uh, But, you know, in all seriousness, heat waves can be pretty deadly for for vulnerable people, for the elderly. Uh, And between that and and, and the resulting fires uh, in uh, Spain and Portugal alone, there were more than 1,000 casualties um, across the last few days. Wow. So uh, normally when we talk about the weather... It's considered filler. Uh, But today, all of this actually brings us to our story. And no reasonable person is denying that these huge weather fluctuations are the result of climate change, which is actually a climate crisis. And the topic of sustainability is becoming increasingly central to financial services. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we're seeing this kind of centrality in uh, ESG, right? Environmental, social and governance issues, which really has come to the forefront um, and uh, become front and centre, basically, of the industry, especially the last few years. And I guess this kind of momentum really highlights how important finance and also the financial sector is when it comes to dealing with the climate emergency we're facing. So it's getting popular to consider all these factors in financial services. And one app is making inroads on carbon footprint awareness by partnering with banks and integrating with banking apps. It's Kogo, and it's run by Emma. So my name is Emma Kisby. I'm the CEO for EMEA, lots of uh, acronyms for Kogo. Kogo stands for Connecting Good. It's all about helping um, consumers understand the impact of their spend with the businesses they spend with. So Connecting Good is uh, shortened down to Kogo. Uh, It's a bit of a mouthful otherwise. So one thing I think is important about Emma Kisby for everyone to know is that her first career was as a behavioral scientist. My background is um, working with um, UK grocers to apply behavioural science to get people to buy more stuff, to give them nudges. You you could buy another bottle of this or cross-sell into this. And actually all those techniques about encouraging you and about influencing your behaviour exist and have been honed over many, many years through many different retailers that you'll all see online um, and in store. You know, even when you go into a, I don't know, like a fast food joint and they say hey do you want fries with that that's just a nudge it's just trying to get you to buy so we know all the techniques where we can help influence people ah okay so emma decided to use her powers for good i see where this is going now she is using the same psychological nudges and games 
to encourage people to become more aware about being sustainable, right? Bingo! You win! And that's the reason I think that this is important to mention. The Kogo app is designed with this science in mind. They understand what motivates people towards certain behaviors, and that's part of the experience. So, back up. Is this an app, or is it in your banking app? Well, it's both. Uh, it's effectively a plug-in, which, depending on if your bank offers it, analyzes all of your purchases which you make through your bank and breaks down both the carbon footprint of your individual purchases and then gives you a monthly total as well. Kogo is all about helping consumers understand, measure, reduce and offset the impact of their carbon emissions. So your everyday spend closely correlates with your carbon footprint. And what we know is that people really struggle to understand their personal contribution to the climate crisis. So what we do is we create products and tools using data and technology to help them bring that to life and bring that transparency to consumers to help them make better decisions. That's really interesting. My question would be how granular this data gets. Does the algorithm understand individual products you buy or is it a more general calculation based on where you shop? You know, that is a good question. And it's not something that came up when I spoke with Emma. This is why I like you, Rachel. You always give me a chance to put my journalist hat on for a second and do a bit of research. And I have done that. And I looked at the NatWest website and I'm quoting here. It says, your carbon footprint calculation is a best estimate as we can only see your whole transaction amount and not your basket level data. For example, if you spend £50 on grocery shopping, we will not know the individual items you have purchased. So it looks like it's a pretty broad estimation based more on where you shop rather than what you buy. Like if I did my grocery shop in a BP petrol station, or as Americans would say, a gas station, it would have a much higher carbon footprint than if I did it in a Sainsbury's Walmart equivalent And that does make sense if you look at the big picture of where the money ends up going, I suppose. Right. And this is a very new technology as well. I mean, I'm sure there's a goal to get the data down to the granular level of individual products and their origins and their mileage as well. And I think a big part of this is just getting people to think more about their individual carbon impact, which... I think the accessibility and visibility of this app gives it something that will work. It's very visible. When you um, click into your mobile banking app, you typically go in and it will show you your spend and it will give you a breakdown maybe month on month and then it will give you a list of all the transactions. We, we work in different ways depending on who the banks are, but then we will have a, a part of that will be a, a button you can press on and an area you can click on that says, do you want to see your carbon footprint? And then it shows you that information but as a carbon footprint. So then we make uh, recommendations. So we show people what their carbon footprint is, and then we give them recommendations on how they can change their spend to reduce their carbon emissions. So is it fair to say that Kogo is betting that understanding impact is a major point when it comes to driving sustainability changes among consumers? Yes. And they understand that people love self-optimization. It's why we have seen a boom in things like step counters, sleep measurement apps, 
book reading goals, websites, and even apps which track the data and offers optimizations with your sex life. Ah, yeah. People do love that affirmation of a tick against a goal, don't they? Exactly. And as low-carbon lifestyles are becoming more and more aspirational and even necessary, it's becoming clear that it's currently pretty hard to track every purchasing decision you're making to ensure you're able to limit your carbon impact. Climate anxiety is on the increase. It's one of the third biggest stress drivers, especially in a, a younger audience under 25s um, so there is genuine anxiety there and you can uh, just look around you to see the actual impact of the climate crisis is becoming much more uh, visible but also what we've done is we've done a bit of research recently with the behavioral insights team and and actually people looking for solution around 75 percent of consumers want to know the impact of their spend on the climate so we're seeing that not only people becoming more aware and more stressed about the climate crisis, but increasingly people are looking at what their role is in the climate crisis and what they can do about it. We are working with uh, banks to bring carbon footprint into the mobile banking experience. A bit like if you open your mobile banking today and it'll say, hey, do you want some budget tips helping you understand the financial impact? In the same way it does that, you can also now see your carbon footprint. So we're working with banks like NatWest and ING and Commonwealth Bank to help bring this experience to their uh, existing customers. So it's almost an anxiety reduction tool as much as it's a carbon reduction tool. Right. I mean, the increasing pressure, particularly from Gen Z, to be accountable for their carbon footprint is almost in direct conflict with the ability to actually understand your impact. And that's why this has the potential to have a huge level of engagement, especially with these younger generations. And I think this is a really crucial point. It's something that we highlighted with our own Money 2020 blog on ESG. We know that for Gen Z, sustainability is really important. But what we're really seeing is that even generations and demographics where you don't necessarily associate with sustainability... Brand green credentials are actually increasingly important. For baby boomers, 65% say sustainability is an important factor when making a purchase decision. So yes, this is a good way of establishing sustainable practices in younger generations, but crucially, it could also have a lot of play across the generational spectrum. Well, this is, I think, why Coco has seen a keen interest from banks. The ability to plug in this tool and immediately offer it to new and old customers is a very easy win. Clearly sharing the data is something that the banks would consider, but the benefits in this case must outweigh the negatives. I mean, the other benefit is that by keeping the tool in their own banking app, it means the engagement on their own app will be much higher as opposed to sending people to Kogo's own app. I'll talk about NetWest a bit to bring this to life. Uh, we launched this position for their customers in line with COP26, which was back in November. So we've got about six months worth of data. Um, and the numbers that I can share publicly is within the first few months, we had 200,000 customers go in and check their carbon footprint. So to give you some perspective on that, we launched an app, a standalone app as Kogo, um, doing exactly this using open banking, which enables people to use any kind of bank account. And we managed to get around 50,000 people downloading the app. So you can then see with the power and scale that the banks have and the opportunities that they have, they really can drive mass awareness and get people to click into it. So that sounds great for banks in terms of increasing engagement and being able to uh, market to new customers as a green credential. But does it go any further than that? 
is it actually effective in lowering people's carbon footprint or is it just a marketing ploy? Well, it's still early days, but they did run a trial last year, which had some interesting results. We ran a pilot last September, which then showed that when actually people do commit to taking actions, we could see that they were reducing their carbon emissions. And the, the numbers is, is 11 kilos per, uh, of CO2e a month, which probably doesn't mean much to you. But when we looked at that in terms of from a scale perspective on what NatWest customers could achieve, if a proportion of them took the same actions that we saw in the pilot, it was the equivalent of a billion kilos of carbon emissions, which is the same as planting 17 million trees. So you can see that actually by giving people this information, by helping them understand what the actions they can take, when we see people taking action, it can have a significant impact on the climate crisis. So I think it's fair to say that there is the potential for some widespread personal reduction of carbon impact. My own sense of cynicism starts to tingle when thinking about why people would look to the financial institutions to lead in environmental leadership. I mean, consumers are used to being informed on their purchasing decisions from the retailers they buy from or from their governments. Things like the calorie content of food or source of origin are things that we've become used to seeing and trusting from those institutions. But how easy will it be to shift the consumer's habits of trusting retailers or government to trusting banks, who seemingly are a step removed from the supply chains and purchasing process? Sure, but I think ESG will become something that every single industry needs to embed in almost every aspect of their business, And those who don't will seem very out of touch with the norm. So yes, it might take some work to shift how the consumers look for this kind of information, but it will become key for a large proportion of the population across all of the services they access. And this isn't necessarily a huge cost. This would be a big opportunity for banks if they get on this trend early and it's an easy win. We've seen an increasing um, demand for consumers around understanding their own personal impact. And when it's specifically then looking at what the banks can do, what we've seen in the last few months really is that there's been a shift where people are actually actively now looking to the banks to help them understand and reduce their environmental impact. So 62% have said that they support banks to take action. And actually 71% have said that they want their bank to actually take action to reduce the carbon emissions of its own operations. So what's interesting is they recognize the need for themselves that actually we all need to do something, but also they want to see more around what the banks are doing themselves. And what we've also seen is that people are starting to understand that their spend has an impact. So 75% are actually asking to see the impact of their spending and what it has on the environment. So it's a bit of a a no-brainer for the bank, whether they collaborate with a brand like Kogo or develop their own system for measuring carbon impact. Consumers want it, it increases engagement, and it actually does have some benefit. I don't want to seem like I'm being a cynic here, but the argument that I hear a lot of people make is really around the wider impact of individuals versus industrial pollution. There's been a lot of backlash against solutions such as swapping out plastic straws when oil companies continue to dump tons of oil into the oceans. The changes that individuals make seems to pale in comparison to changes that big industries can make. Isn't this reinforcing that false narrative that the responsibility should be on the consumer? Well, I mean, some would say yes. Uh, Emma argues that exposing the carbon footprint of businesses that consumers interact with 
will educate them and allow them to make decisions based on that, which will in turn put a lot of pressure on those companies to become greener and more sustainable. It's basic supply and demand. So by encouraging people to vote with their money, whether that's pounds or dollars or euros, what they can do is vote for businesses who share their values, whether that's uh, reducing carbon emissions or paying the real living wage. And as a result, then what you'll see is there's more demand and then it drives more supplies. So businesses are more inclined to see that data and be encouraged by it and to change their behaviours. I know I've been attempting to poke a lot of holes in this, so I apologise for that, Rachel. But ultimately, I do see this particular tool as a benefit, both to banks and, and more importantly to the environment. I also find this model of banks using these tools as a plug-in really interesting. It's one of the most obvious benefits of open banking. There's a lot of opportunities I can think of straight away that could have a similar impact. Oh, really? Care to share any of those ideas or are you saving them to become the next startup unicorn? Well, I'll give you a couple of ideas just to give you a head start, but that's about it. So something pretty similar, which tells you what percentage of your purchases were made at minority or Women-owned businesses, for example. Ooh, that's actually a really good one. Or how about uh, how much of your money stays within your local community? Or maybe a tool called Tubuji, which compares the star rating on Google to where you're eating, and knowing your monthly income will tell you whether your tastes are too bougie for your salary. Rachel, I feel like you've been looking at my banking transactions yourself with that idea. Um, I just want to say now, if any of these ideas actually happen, we're all co-founders. This is a shared brainstorming session. Oh, yeah. With that in mind, maybe we should take this offline. If we don't come back next week, you'll know that we've successfully launched a unicorn. Look out for two bougie coming to your bank app soon. So that's it for this episode of The Money Pot. And we want to thank Emma Kisby for sharing her expertise and her journey to Kogo with us. We love her mission to connect good. And I also want to thank our evergreen and ever-reliable producer, Roland Bottenham. You can be part of The Money Pot at The Money 2020 Show. Please send us pictures to podcasts at money2020.com. And don't forget to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. This is essential. 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 This is Essential Audio.